If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to another week of Pixel Sift, Radio Murdoch's very own video game show where we sift through the week's video game news and get out all the clumps so you're just left with the finest video game commentary. My name is Johnny, and with me in the studio is Mitch and Scott. Hello. Hello. How are we going, guys? Yeah, good, man. So we've got a few stories we're going to be checking out. Mitch, what are we looking at today? All right, today we'll be checking out uh, the direction of... Narrative in current video games, um, the player the player narrative versus the constructed narrative by the video games like developers and changes that might be coming out as part of that. Yep. So we're gonna have a look at that. We're also gonna be having a, a bit of a squiz at remakes and HD versions of your favorite games. There's quite a few of them coming out. There's been another one that's just been sort of data mined out of the systems as recently, which I know some of us are pretty excited about. Yep. And first up, though, Scott, what are we else going to be having a look at? Uh, I've been looking at co-op games this week, specifically, you know, couch co-op and uh, sitting on the couch next to your best mate playing the games. Sounds Where awesome. is it going? <laughs> Where's it going? Is yeah. it going to stay? Yeah. Who knows? It's a lot of nostalgia involved. Pixel Sieve! It's not Pixel Sieve. It's Pixel Sift. Pixel Sieve! Tuh. Pixel Sift. That's it. So, you've been playing... Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? We've been playing uh, a few of the games. We've been talking about some exciting stuff that's been coming out as uh, recently as some of the most recent betas have been coming out. But, Scott, you've been spending a lot of time on the couch (laughs) with your mate. I have. I mean, it's not not exactly a new release, but I've been getting back into Diablo 3 on the PS, and uh, it's great fun. I'm loving it, uh, getting back into the co-op stuff with a mate. Uh, And did you ever play Diablo on the computer? Not in this sort of co-op style. I'm a bit of an only child, so video games were my f- where my friend. A uh, bit of an only child, yeah, well, or you know, an very, actual only child. <laughs> well, if we want to get technical about it, I'm not an only child anymore, but I was, okay. you know, for my development years. Yeah, Let's okay. not do this on radio. Okay, mate. sure, sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, loving the Diablos, uh, but you know, um, I guess going back to my older days of co-op stuff, I started to think about the better games that kind of made their mark on me along the years. I mean, it's easy to list off your golden eyes and your. Perfect Darks and stuff, but I think uh, more recently, um, Zombies on COD. And That's all the, wicked. Yeah, yeah. As, as well as the survival modes on that. I think they were kind of a real standout for me anyway, and got me really back into the idea of getting into kind of uh, side-by-side co-op stuff. I think one of the interesting things, we're talking a little bit later um, in the segment, a bit later on the thing, we're talking about story and how stories come together. And when you are playing a game with your friend, you often can go, oh, we had an experience and we retell the story of what happened when we were playing the game. And I think that's a big part of why co-op 
games in especially ones where you have a split screen either it'd be co-op or competitive multiplayer like you know your golden eyes yeah, and your perfect yeah, yeah. darks and things like that that's a big part of creating the story and the experience of the game well exactly that you, you've gone to the point where you and your uh you know uh, co-op friend are creating the story as opposed to following a bit of a story and like we're saying a lot of games these days are opting for that more multiplayer aspect rather than providing a rich kind of story background and i know that's two different kind of areas of gaming the ones that really like the kind of multiplayer build your own and the ones that kind of follow the campaign but i mean that, that's something uh noteworthy and something you mentioned earlier mitch i do know yeah so basically like a, the couch co-op back going back to that it, it, it seems to be that most triple a games are kind of avoiding it now it seems like um, one very notable example is the new Halo game is going to be dropping it. There's going to be no split screen whatsoever, not even in the um, competitive bid. There's, it's really yeah. interesting. I think Halo was one of the formative split screen games that I remember after playing um, games like Time Spitters and things on, on the PlayStation and original Xbox and stuff like that. But Halo was one of the big things, and it was one of the big things that made it such a huge success, was that you could play with... Two players and then four players later. That in the was home. the that was the good advantage. That was the main advantage of buying the Xbox over the PS4 was that it had four ports that yeah. you could plug four controllers yeah, okay. into, and, and then in turn four screens. Yeah, play four player split yeah. screen, and then it just made this game be more of a I don't know more of a cultural thing where you have people playing together in the same thing. I and mean, Halo Five is the new game that's coming out, and you know Shannon Loftus, he's one of the uh, he's a Microsoft general manager um, at Microsoft Game Publishing Studios who look after Halo now that Bungie has handed over the reins to them. And at 343. Yeah, 343, yeah. Um, and they've basically said that, yeah, we do listen to gamers and the priority feature for Halo 5 was 60 frames per second mm-hmm. and that's what the team has been focused on delivering. And they, But they said, you, never, you can never say never. The glorious thing about Halo is that we can deliver continuous improvements to any experience but no announcements are made there. I mean, has I mean, some people are very focused on this sixty frames per second and having a really high quality visuals. But uh, does it make any difference to you? I am not a PC gamer. I'm so also I, not a PC yeah. gamer, unfortunately, so, because I haven't got the PC to match up to it. But, uh, but so yeah, I mean, it's never been the, an issue for me. And on the consoles, does it make that much of a difference? I don't see any difference. Uh, but I'm not that kind of person that really spots out those sort of things. To be honest, I'm more of a gameplay kind of guy. Um, graphics are great, and I will notice them. But, um, I mean, my setup isn't prioritized for, you know, clarity. Granted, the 60 frames per second does look very striking. When oh, no you, doubt, when you look no at doubt. It. It, it's, it's good for the immersive experience. But I, I don't think it's entirely necessary for a game to be good. And do you think, especially with something like Halo, for example, which is Microsoft's, you know, flagship multiplayer game that they own of their own sort of little stable mm-hmm. of games. Do you think that, like, I'm looking at this cynically and I'm thinking this is probably more of a push to sell more individual Xboxes and more online Xbox Live subscriptions? Well, you've got, you know, games going two ways at the moment. You've got some of them that are con- kind of, you know, really concentrating on this, st- uh, you know, uh, availability of multiplayer co-op stuff and others that, I guess, aren't really supporting it as much. Like, we are talking about the lack of land for... Um, Starcraft. Oh and yeah, whatever. so yeah, so the uh, lack of land play for Starcraft is interesting, and a lot of a lot of games now. I think the new PS4 cannot be land. I don't think in any circumstance. It's all going to be yeah. online. Yeah, yeah, which is not a bad thing. But but, but on the other yeah. hand, like say you've got other games that are kind of opening up to a whole new world of co-op. Like um, you know, GTA Five mm-hmm. is now an amazingly multiplayer like online game. Um, I mean, GTA FIFA 5, is getting yeah that that co-op experience is very rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time they've really kind of tried such a huge uh, effort at it. You know, come let's let's say GTA Six, 
it'll be a you know a whole more refined kind of ball game. It's interesting when you're talking about lands and things like that. And for a lot of my you know growing up experience before we had good quality computers we went to places like internet cafes and played the games there. it was all about that i used to ditch school to do that yeah. going- <laughs> <laughs> and, and you still met at university Look, that, that explains yeah. so much yeah um so i think it's interesting that they're trying to push people away and i don't i don't think there's any benefit in sort of siloing people off and individualizing and there's not really the same experience having it over a headset than having someone sitting right next to you even if it's in a you know an internet cafe or at a LAN or mm. on your couch no as much as i love being wired in and being in a squad with other people uh it's not the same as the couch co-op things that um that you know i was initially talking about there yeah i mean for a lot of games that i play multiplayer quite often i'll just get my friends over to my house and we'll all just sit in the same room and then connect to the internet and just sit in the same room exactly I even think- though it's not a LAN. It's the same similar experience. Uh, I mean, it's new school land, I guess. It is, yeah. yeah. We've, we've got wireless kind of and uh, ADSL capabilities that we just didn't have 10, 15 years ago. So now we don't have the kind of necessity that we did to just do a land party. We can just, you know, all hotwire our sick internet. I suppose that's the same thing with having split screen co op in the, the first place anyway, because there actually was no capability to play online at all. Mm. And if you think about, say, for example, lo- the one that I like to talk about is uh, Time Splitters 2, mm-hmm. and that was a playstation game and there was an online component for playstation but it basically never made it to australia um and you had a split screen because and then you could play up to four players on that one one thing i was kind of excited for back i think about three years ago when 3d televisions were starting to become (laughs) prevalent technology there was a function that you could use on the 3d television that would that you could have one one polarized section like because 3D is like two images, kind of, yep. I guess. And then the TV would display one on a, on a frequency that one side of the glasses could, I, could see. Uh, and the like other, a, yeah, no, I, I and did the other could this, yeah. play the other. So you would be have split screen, but both of you would see one screen on the television. I think this is something, yeah, yeah they're, they're still working on. I, I recently yeah. did see this. Uh, amazing, yeah, you put some kind of glasses on that work with the TV really well. Yeah, so it would pretty much just be one side of the 3D glasses. So if you sit on, to the left-hand side, you see player one screen. It didn't matter, actually. Like I said, I don't yeah. know how it works, yeah. but mm. from what I saw, the glasses do it for you. I don't know whether it's a reading in the TV and you only see certain, you know. Yeah, so if you took the glasses <sighs> off, you would know. kind of know. see a... So if you took the glasses off, you would kind of see a mixture of both images. Okay. But the glasses filtered the one that you wanted. All right. Yep. Sounds pretty cool. I think, look, this is a technological thing, but uh, there's a lot of shift towards having people, you know, having these communities and online games and things like that, where being around other people and playing games is such a high value for, um, you know, games as as an industry, mm. especially with all this online uh, Twitch, Let's Plays, all that sort of it's stuff. It's connectivity, you know. People uh, love it. And that's really what, you know, technology might come in there and do it. But if you've got the ability to do it on the couch with someone else, have the couch play and all that sort of stuff, then why not do it? There's really something in that, I think, still. Yeah. It makes me feel good. I enjoy it. <laughs> and like I said, I'm loving going back into Diablo 3, getting my monk on. Getting your monk on. Getting some sweet loot. <laughs> yeah. All right. Whether PC, handheld or console, Pixel Sift, Radio Murdoch. Speaking of nostalgic games, a big part of the new generation of games, especially in the early part of a a console cycle, is the remake and the inevitable high-definition version of uh, your previous sort of favourite games. Um, One of the most recent ones that's been released is the Uncharted 
uh, collection, which has got the previous PlayStation 3 versions of the games have now been upgraded to PlayStation 4 graphics. Amazing. Apparently supposed to be very good. Last of Us is another one as well. It's not a new concept. It's been around for a long time. Um, there's heaps of different collections of these things. We've had lots of games which have you know been revitalized because of huge fan um, yeah. favorites. Uh, the one we mentioned before was Age of Empires 2, and that's became, for years and years, people were playing it in really hacky sort of ways to get it working on the new common uh, new systems and they've updated it with high definition graphics and it kept the feel and the um you know it plays exactly the same it's a fantastic example i think that's yeah. a beautiful remake of an old classic just done exactly the same way but with a nice kind of like you know reboot to the beautiful graphics that it has and there's other games as well for much older versions the one that i remember from my youth is the super mario all-stars where they went and collected a bunch of the old Mario games that were on the Nintendo mm-hmm. uh, Entertainment System, the NES, and re-released them on SNES in a nice multi-pack. And it made a good Christmas present because you'd be like, here's seven games at once. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. I mean, um, recently, even like, yeah. the Pokemon games, Alpha yep. Ruby and Omega Sapphire. Oh, uh, wait, am I doing it? Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby. Yeah. Yeah. Those ones, they, they were really cool. And they weren't, they weren't necessarily like, I guess they weren't even HD remakes. They were just like, they just rebuilt. In the new engine. In the new engine. So that was really interesting. Pokemon's an interesting one, I think, because Pokemon has made, remade their games multiple times. Yep. And le- the generations between different, like, handhold, handheld um, gaming hardware basically means that you can't get certain Pokemon if you don't have the newer version right. of the newer system, right? Yep. So, for example, you can't trade something from Game Boy Color all the way up to 3DS. Interestingly, I thought Pokemon would take advantage of the whole DLC technology that that could offer maybe you could just you know instead of buying the new pokemon game you could just buy a pack of the new pokemon and then yeah, okay. well yeah. it's it's interesting you mentioned that because i is this the remake and the the rejig and the reskin and the hd version is it just a, a way to get money off you another time so you can buy the game that you've already bought and- i guess so well, yeah, I think even- sometimes it's pretty obvious what they're doing that. Like, yeah. you know, with Age of Empires, it's obviously it wasn't just a kind of, you know, money grab. They did a really good job at releasing a co- proper classic and did it, you know, did it justice. Um, and there was still a huge fan base for it as well who were playing the original version of it. Absolutely. People really did care yeah, about they that did. game. Yeah. But if they're going to just do a little kind of rehash with, you know, very small amounts of new uh, options and whatever, then the gamers and the players are going to notice and they're, they're not going to... They're not gonna like it. Basically. I think the, the the fan base evolves very conscious about, like, for example, uh, uh, games games that people don't care about anymore that keep being rehashed. Are, for example, the Sega games, the Sonic games. They did do a big uh, collection of that. Well, yeah, I was the, just like, saying. I just did. said last week. Actually, they just kind of finished the re-release of that on the 3DS. Oh uh, yeah, but like, I'm, I'm talking praise. about. I'm talking about like the new. Oh, I guess it's more of a sequel than anything else. Those like Sonic Boom games that really uh, no one is buying and no one cares. Yeah. About. Okay. Yeah. I haven't played a good Sonic since uh, Sonic 2, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there are people out there making, you know, nostalgia is a big thing. And it's something we'd like to look at in the future weeks is something that, like the spiritual successor. Yeah. And people love these things. They remember them from their youth and they want to rebuy them and they want to get into it. Like, for example, I'm a huge Final Fantasy VII fan. Um, yep. Big, big tragic towards that game. Every year they were like, oh, we might remake it. Oh, no, no, not this year. We can't do it. And then they just would give up. They'd remake every other Final Fantasy game. And everyone would be like, oh, great. We can play all these ones. Seven. Seven, no. But seven, they're actually going to go for the full remake rather than just a, uh, you know, HD version and and skin it up. Um, Which is interesting because seven doesn't hold up. It just really doesn't hold up. What do you mean? In in gameplay or quality? 
Because, like, graphics-wise, sure, it's, it's pretty shit. We but. talked about this in one of our first weeks where we were talking about how you're trying to get new people into a game that you've loved as a, as a child or you've yep. had an experience with. And trying to sell people Final Fantasy VII is a difficult task. Yes. Lots of people get have pause, basically. Is that the, the inherent reason why it hasn't been remade? Is it? One of the big things, one of the big quotes that came out from Square Enix when they were talking about this, and everyone asked them as well, they actually did tease people when the PlayStation 3 came out. They did a tech demo uh-huh. using the in game graphics for Final Fantasy VII, and everyone basically went bananas um, <laughs> because it's one of the biggest PlayStation games um, yeah. that ever came out in the PlayStation generation. It probably, you know, single handedly with a bunch of other games, but launched the PlayStation. It won over, yeah, it definitely won over PlayStation. There was obviously and it was like, a, there was a couple of games, but Final Fantasy VII was probably was yeah. the one that did it. It was the big one that kind of made it across. Um but yeah, they've done it for, for years and years and years. And now they're saying they're actually going to remake it with current hardware in, in mind with higher quality graphics. And you know, if that's probably going to be pushing a lot of people to go and purchase a console that they might not already have. Yeah. Well look, I'll play it again. You go out and get one. Absolutely, it is, yeah. it is the single thing moving all those new 3ds's. Yeah, it's oh. pretty much that that concept. Um, I'm not sure exactly where I got there, but uh, of series that kind of went the wrong way, uh, rather than kind of you know rehat uh, you know remaking games or rela- releasing the new series that kind of an unsuccessful basically update. yeah yep. just a crappy update. Um, I felt was a couple of the Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid releases. Mm. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember the bad ones, so I don't want to list them off. But there's basically ones that just changed up the game completely and really lost kind of me as a uh, Metal Gear Solid lover. Metal Gear Solid's one that's been re-released many times. Many, many, many times, yeah. One of the and more think- successful ones that people always talk about is the one that was when Metal Gear Solid, the first Metal Gear Solid, was re-released as Twin Snakes on the GameCube. Okay. And... It's really difficult to find, but it is has apparently they've tightened up all the voice acting, Ooh. the characters and everything are really good, um, the models, everything is just it's basically like a definitive director's edition of the thing, and it's it's difficult to find, but they have never re-released it past that point. They did do a HD uh, all of Metal Gear Solid Re-release. collection, yep, um, but it was more of an update of the PlayStation version rather than the remake of the GameCube version. Well, loved to. I've heard good things about the new. Ones that they've got got in the works, uh, but yeah, they lost me in the middle there. Didn't make the transition across. No, sorry. Yeah. You should play. You should play <laughs> Snake Eater. It's a good game. I'll get. I'll have a look into. And it. you can I'll get it. You can it. get it on multiple different platforms. They even made it on 3ds if you wanted to try it out on that as well. <laughs> so I don't know if that works. Um, there's all these things as well where they try to you know shoehorn it onto a new platform as well, mm. like Final Fantasy VII, for example. The original version, just the port version, not the updated version, yeah. is available now on iPad and iPhone. So, something like that, which is, you know, Final Fantasy is a great game, but it is basically menu browser mm-hmm. seven. Um, <laughs> you know, you run around a bit, but there's a lot of menus in it. So, it's a menu-based game. So, it's that, that that's sort of all play. I see when I, I'm not a Final Fantasy player, but yeah. like that whenever I watch someone play it, it's like, okay, um, you've been in this menu for about five minutes now. I'm Are just, you going to find a thing you want? Look, I've just got to move all my material, right? You know, <laughs> this guy has got double growth. This guy doesn't have any growth. I've just got to shift it around and I need to get all the AP. It's all right. Um, I'm the same thing. Like I said, just playing Diablo 3 again with uh, my mate. And like both of us never played it a lot before. So we're sitting there, you know, organizing all our things, spending half an hour kidding out our guy. It's like, come on, let's just play. I'm starting to lose it now. Yeah. It's a bit like the uh, the Neve Speed games where you customize your car's Neve Speed Underground. Yeah. Where people spend more time in the menu customizing the car than ever actually racing the car. Um, yeah. I think, look, there's, not, there's also been pretty unsuccessful ones. The... Halo Master Chief Collection, which came out on Xbox One, was... Well, there was a winner... Look, in- I have to come to the defense of Halo Master Chief Collection <laughs> for a second. Apparently, 
the online features that allow you to play together didn't work very well. But the HD remake as a whole was very nice. I think the big problem was that for a lot of people, Halo 2 was the their introduction to That's sort true. of console shooting, yeah. uh, shooter games. And the multiplayer was supposed to be a big package of it. You could basically pick, I'm going to play Halo 2 era maps in Halo 2 era rules and like um, settings and things like that. And it just didn't work. Basically, people couldn't play. They couldn't connect. There was all this stuff that they couldn't get into. And for people who were like, well, I better, I'd be better off digging out the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And actually, well, you can't anymore because Xbox Live is broken. But you can play it on LAN. That's true. You can true. do a system link and plug it someone else's Xbox in. And Bringing it back. Directly nice. While you're on the couch. Yep. Good link there, yes. team. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I, I personally do like the idea of a remake and an update because we're going to have a problem where a lot of these consoles and hardware is basically just going to become too old to play the original things. And if it isn't updated, we're going to lose these things as a cultural icon and a game as well. You're absolutely right. I mean, look at all the new movies at the moment. People are rehashing stuff from 20, 30 years ago. Um, it's, it's, just, it's a shame to let such good quality games go by the, like, go by the wayside. And it's a little different with video games. Like, you can't really... Like, we were talking about how, like... Now TVs just don't have the AV input anymore. Mm. Like you can't really find like so. If you want to play this game, you need to dig out every single bit of technology from that time period to play it. Yeah, so, there's a physical technical limitation. So it's not like you can't you. just burn it onto a. You can't just rip it off a videotape. I mean, of course that that yeah, process is still very difficult, yeah. but it's not the same. Yeah. Let's go on to something else. Let's have a little listen to this. You're listening to Pixel Sift on Radio Murdoch. That's right. You are on Radio Murdoch, the student wave. We're going out live today. You can listen to us on our website or you can get us on the podcast as well. Finally, today, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about the storytelling in games and how the storytelling in games has evolved and changed over the years. There's been a lot of criticism for, and I guess praise as well, for the ways that game storytelling has changed. Um, We've moved to lots of different formats, uh, games which were previously... Uh, very story-driven, and now dropping the story component and moving to multiplayer only. And Mitch, you're going to tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, so pretty much as Scott mentioned earlier, um, a lot of the a lot of the um, video game narrative now comes from the players themselves, the adventures and the individual stories they create within the confines of their own console, or their own computer, with the friends, like with their friends. So basically, some video game companies are actually considering that their new narrative, and um, I think it's all about the embedded narrative versus the player narrative. So those are like the pretty much hot words. Could you tell us, for some people who wouldn't know what the difference of that is, could you explain a little bit about the difference of those two? Absolutely. So the embedded narrative is pretty much what's written in the game. So pretty much your your story mode, like when you play, for example, Halo, and you go through and you fight the Covenant and you go through all these levels and at the end you blob the ring. That is the embedded narrative. But the player narrative is slightly different. It kind of is the individual experiences you have on the way to your final objective. For example, no two players are going to play one level of Halo exactly the same. They're going to pick a particular strategy and things like that and like take advantage of particular situations that arise. And as games have got more powerful and creating different situations for the player, um, these narratives are becoming just more prevalent. Um, but games like Minecraft, for example, they are built solely on the player narrative, and there's no actual embedded narrative. So well, the you that- say that yeah. though, but yeah. they've just uh, about to release or have just started the first part of an episodic That's story true. mode yeah. of Minecraft, yeah. which is a really interesting sort of take because so much of that game was about playing 
with your friends yeah, and I telling your it, friends about it. I don't know that, like, I understand Minecraft is a huge thing, but does it suit having a narrative attached to it? I think that we need to play it first. It's not It's not out yet, is it? When does that come out? I think it's very close. It's yeah. going to be like a week or two or very... Yeah, so yep. I, I'd be interested to see whether that narrative lives up to the narratives that people have in their head about Minecraft. I think... Uh, that's because the, sorry, yeah. that's the only problem with these extended narratives things, is, uh, especially when they've kind of been heavily um, a game like that's been so heavily into players before that. Is that uh, is the narrative that they're going to create for you going to be as good as what you were doing free exactly. play kind of thing? Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, is it strained now? Are you going to be able to com- uh, you know access the same things? Like, is it better in your head or is it better written yeah. out for you? <laughs> it's just like a it's a number of different people's interpretations of a particular novel, for example. And then suddenly when it's on screen, it's not really the same as what, what you thought it was. It's a, it's a difficult thing as well, especially with some of the more, um, you know, basic games that we've had with things, you think about things a bit more nostalgic. And when you think about games, for example, not Final Fantasy or even Final Fantasy VII, you know, you can have a game where it's all text-based and you can make your own voice up for the character in your head. And then when yeah. you, if they remake it into a movie, which they have done and in sequels and things like that, and they but, go... But some elements of forever. gaming... Yeah. It's, it's important to note that the el- this what we're talking about with Minecraft is actually an episodic... It's like a, a purely narrative game that's not actually based in the Minecraft engine. It's actually by Telltale, and it's it's their their style of storytelling games, which is something that's interesting because the it, while main triple well, AAA games are sometimes abandoning the story mode, new companies are arising to focus entirely on it and less on actual gameplay, which is interesting. Telltale is a pretty good yeah. example of this. They yes. have all of their games are very story he- heavy. Yep. they do it mostly sort of choose your adventure sort of point and click adventure style games uh, in the majority and this is kind of basically they're adapting minecraft to a story that fits within the world and that's kind of a separate sort of take on it it it's an it's an interesting sort of concept i think to move this thing i I think with there's been criticism examples with like star wars battlefront which we've all had a little bit of a play with um Mm -hmm. which does tick a lot of boxes in terms of things like having a split screen co-op for yep. people to play this game and then talk about, oh, remember when you're on Hoth and then Vader jumped over that thing and then, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. So that does tick a box, but it actually has no single player campaign at all. And the original Battlefronts that came out uh, and Battlefront 2, for example, as well, um, had a story mode. They did have that, yes. And people quite like that story mode. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's an interesting way to put it. The other problem as well is that with games going completely online and multiplayer only, these games don't live online forever. There is That's a time true. limit on the time that you can play these games, and eventually they're going to reach a point where they're going to say, well, we're going to shut down the service now. Like It could be, it falls onto the decision of probably one person. Like it could, They could just, forever, what reason, turn it off tomorrow. Mm. It would be a bad decision, they probably won't, but there is a button somewhere that you can push that turns off this game forever. And it also means yeah. that when they bring out another sequel or something like that, and everyone moves to the new game your experience of the game that you play on your original one also changes. So you have to yep. keep up with the current version of the game, you know, the sequel or whatever. And otherwise, you're not going to get the same experience that you would have got for a previous one through your own... I think it's a struggle that World of Warcraft players have been dealing with for years. Yeah. Well, yeah, even... Um, any, I mean, I had this with Battlefield. Uh, I loved Battlefield 3. I thought the maps and whatever in that were fantastic. Battlefield 4, meh. Uh, Battlefield Hardline, meh. Like, I want to go back. But if you if I go back, oh, I don't know. Is it even still online anymore? If even if it was online, I remember the last time I went on there, there was just 
Nobody on there. It was a waste of time. You can still play the campaign mode of Battlefield 3, though. Yeah, but that's it. The camp- for the games like that, they're, they're online mainly. Exactly what we're talking about. The, the campaign for these uh, games is generally pretty pretty rubbish. Have we begun and very to... very short. I mean, like it's like half an hour to an hour and you're kind of done. <laughs> Have we begun to expect too much, maybe? Oh. Like, I mean... Like, are we not satisfied with just the offline version of a I game anymore? I'm not entertained. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I felt because I'm. Well, no, re- not with games like that. Yeah. Not with games that yeah. I, I prior like you know prioritizing online play and are best played multiplayer. No, yeah. like the campaign's just not good enough. It's it's not because like I recently played through it in an hour. Very recently, when you know, this is the point where Mitch talks about Destiny. Um, my Destiny <laughs> had to update again, and it was an 18 gigabyte download, and that is probably still going on as we speak. Um, yeah, I, th- I was looking at my PS4 and like, there's not really much to do on this now that I'm not playing Destiny. So I ended up playing something else. I and, do yeah. hate that about the um, online games. Um, even, say, GTA. I know I know you don't have to do the update every time mm-hmm. if you just don't want to play it online. But I just want to jump on and have a quick game. Just, you know, mow some people down. And there's like, you know, a gig worth of updates because I haven't played in two weeks. Like, come and on. that gets in the way mm-hmm. of you playing the story mode, even if you <laughs> yeah, want to play the story mode. That's true. You know, it causes this issue between the thing. It's it's a very interesting thing to think about the way that stories and, and games come. It's a big part of why nostalgia is such a big thing for games and why they can remake stuff and why they can talk about, you know, uh, these sort of generational games where people find very, you know, they're touchstone games where mm-hmm. people are like, this is a game of my generation and that's what we were playing. Um, if you... I mean, you can argue that something like Battlefield doesn't need a story mode at all, but yeah. people who were previously paying the same price for a game and last generation's one had a story mode and this generation's one does not have a story mode, you're kind of like, well, I'm paying the same price and <laughs> where's the extra content? I'm definitely not saying I don't want a story mode. I'm just saying if you're going to give me one, make it decent. Mm. Don't waste my time with it. <laughs> or if you're going to take out a story mode, justify the reason why you've got you've taken it out and say, hey, so instead of putting in a story mode where we had to hire voice actors and all this stuff, we're going to give you an extra bunch of maps or something. we're going to do something like that and- alright EA throw down Scott says so make it worth his time <laughs> that's right come on we want a bit more out of you EA you know, <laughs> you know you've always been uh, very highly regarded in the mm. gaming thing always right? regarded yourself quite highly anyway <laughs> so that's pretty much all we have time for today thank you very much for listening to another episode of Pixel Sift you can find some of the great links to our website uh, and some of the notes and stuff. We're going to put some videos and things on there as well. Uh, we're on uh, www.radiomurdoch.com slash pixelsift, one word, or you can put a hyphen in between. Up to you. Scott, where can you find us on social media? You can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixelsift or twitter.com forward slash pixelsift. That's P-I-X-E-L-S-I-F-T. Tea. And Mitch, very quickly, where can we find uh, people who want to listen to other episodes? All right, so you can go check us out on the uh, Radio Murdoch pages um, to scream, stream episodes and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or using the RSS link on our page. Thank you very much. See you guys next week. We'll be back here at 2pm. Check well, us out online. See ya. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. 
Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 